This bill, the American Health Care Act, it keeps our promise to repeal and replace Obamacare. What I want to tell my fellow citizens is that the nightmare of Obamacare is about to end. That we are doing what we said we would do in this campaign, which is repeal and replace this awful law that is crashing. We are doing an mer- act of mercy by repealing this law and replacing it with patient-centered health care reforms that we as conservatives have been arguing for and fighting for for years. Chairman, I was struck last night by a comment uh, that I heard made by Speaker Ryan where he called this repeal bill, quote, an act of mercy. With all due respect to our speaker, he and I must have read different scripture. The one that I read calls on us to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to shelter the homeless, and to comfort the sick. It reminds us that we are judged not by how we treat the powerful, but by how we care for the least among us. Mercy. Defined in purely secular terms, compassionate treatment for those in distress. It's kindness. It is grace. There is no mercy in a system that makes health care a luxury. There is no mercy in a country that turns their back on those most in need of protection. The elderly, the poor, the sick, and the suffering. There is no mercy in a cold shoulder to the mentally ill. There's no mercy in a policy that takes for granted the sweat, the tears, and the sacrifice of working Americans at the shed every day so that they might care for their family's basic needs, food, shelter, health, and hope for tomorrow. There's no mercy Gentlemen's for the 2.6 million expired. people who will lose their job if Obamacare is repealed. This is not Chair, an act of mercy. Chair now recognizes the lady from Washington State. Hey there, and welcome to In Sickness and In Health, a podcast about issues related to chronic illness, disability, healthcare, and mortality. My name is Kara Gale. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a health policy expert. I'm just a person and a patient who uh, needs to talk about this stuff so I don't lose my mind. Hi, vey. It has been been a few weeks since I put out an episode, and I wanted to make sure that I got one out this week because finally, uh, congressional Republicans have released their plan to repeal and replace uh, the Affordable Care Act, which you may know as Obamacare. Their plan is called the American Health Care Act. For the sake of this episode and trying to be as clear as possible and divide those two things, the Affordable Care Act and the American Health Care Act. Since the acronyms are so similar, and since most people are more uh, familiar with the term Obamacare, I will be referring to the Affordable Care Act as Obamacare and to the American Health Care Act, released this week by Paul Ryan, as Republicare, which is All of these names are ridiculous. Doesn't matter. What matters is that they had seven years to work on it, and it would seem that they just started scrambling to actually put something together mere weeks ago. So um, they finally unveiled it, and uh, (laughs) after uh, promises that it would be the best and it would ensure more people with better health care. It doesn't appear that that's what is going to happen with this. 
like so many other uh, conversations that have happened around Obamacare, these conversations around Republicare, hey, they're leaving a lot to be desired as, as far as the people who are actually going to be impacted by these changes. Uh, people with chronic health conditions, for example, people with disabilities, for example. Uh, there's been very little reporting on how these changes will actually affect people like us. And that's incredibly frustrating because, you know, you can have all of the esoteric policy discussions about this stuff that you want to have. Uh, but at the end of the day, these are people's lives that we're talking about. And um, uh, no one seems to give a shit. <laughs> I find that very frustrating uh, as a person who is both chronically ill and disabled and on Medicaid, which is something that is uh, set to change rather bigly under this plan. Something that really so often gets lost in these uh, conversations about, you know, should we have Obamacare or Republicare or some sort of single payer option or whatever is that we're talking about who is going to be paying for that healthcare. The American healthcare system as it currently exists gets paid uh, through some combination of insurance companies, the government, and of course the patients and taxpayers and Republicare is uh, you know, as far as the, the makeup of that goes, not that different, uh, although there would be less federal money. And patients and taxpayers will wind up paying significantly more, it would seem, with this plan. But it kind of doesn't matter who is paying for it. At the end of the day, costs in the American healthcare system are wildly unsustainable and no one can afford it. It doesn't matter if it's an insurance company paying or the patient paying or the government paying. The rent is too damn high all the way across the board. And so until we start to address the factors that have led to the extreme and ridiculous inflation of healthcare costs in the United States, such as prescription drug pricing and, you know, bureaucracy or whatever. I, it's so, 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 so complicated. Um, Nobody knew that healthcare could be so complicated. Uh, Republicare does not seem to address any of those issues and just focuses on who is, is paying these bills, right? Uh, which is so super frustrating. And at uh, the White House press conference after this plan was uh, released, renowned blowhard and White House press secretary Sean Spicer made uh, a rather dramatic display uh, to demonstrate. On, on the right. uh, Look at the size. This is the Democrats. This is us. There is, I mean, you can't get any clearer in terms of this is government. This is not. Um, and I think that part of the reason the visual is important is that when you actually look at the difference, you realize this is what big government See, does. Obamacare is too complicated. Look how much more paper it required. Um, but it was a very complicated law because it was trying to approach the American healthcare system, which is something that is extraordinarily complex in a way that would hopefully tackle a lot of different issues. And um, simply by refusing to tackle those issues, 
so that you can make this display of like, look how much less paper in government we're using. Doesn't really, doesn't really, the math doesn't really work out. So just like Republicans had seven years to come up with a, a replacement for Obamacare, those of us who pay attention to this stuff had seven years to understand Obamacare. So um, if I get some things wrong or some things are still very unclear, this bill was just um, released this week. We haven't had a whole lot of time to really pick it apart and understand what it means and what the implications are and yada, yada, yada. So I might get some things wrong and, you know, oh, this is Friday. It's like three o'clock. Who knows? By the time this even goes on the Internet, things will have changed. So things are moving extremely, extremely rapidly. But let me try and explain some of some of this for you. Um, so Republicare, the American Health Care Act. What does it do? What does it change? Well, to start, it gives a $600 billion tax cut, mostly for the wealthy, uh, that actually has nothing to do with health care. So cool. Um, it expands health savings accounts or HSAs, which can be helpful in paying for medical expenses. These are pre-tax accounts that enable you to save for medical expenses. But, you know, if you've ever had an HSA or used an HSA, you know that it's helpful for things like glasses, uh, co-pays, and that sort of thing, and doesn't really cover any actual medical expenses. Like if you were in the hospital, let's say, or you needed, you know, several thousand dollars worth of medication every month. Doesn't really help with that. So HSAs are, you know, pretty cool in combination with additional coverage. And that's not really exactly what's happening here. So one of the big things about Obamacare were the subsidies for insurance premiums. So that is how much money you spend every month to stay insured. With Republicare, they have reduced and changed those subsidies. So under Obamacare, subsidies were tied to income. I think it was up to 400% of the poverty line. You would get um, a certain subsidy that was tied to your income and tied to the cost of health insurance that was calculated on the cost of a silver plan. So that's the mid-level plan. So they figured out in each state and county and what have you, you know, what do silver plans approximately go for in this area? And, you know, it is really complicated. And it's something that is has been very frustrating for people, especially people who don't, who are just outside of that limit or just outside of that 400% uh, of the poverty line, etc. And in states where governors didn't expand Medicaid, for a lot of people, those subsidies were not enough, are not enough. And... Now, under Republicare, I mean, it's still complicated, but it's just complicated in a different way, I guess. It's uh, instead of some sort of complicated calculation, uh, it's more of a flat tax credit. So if you make under $75,000 a year, you're eligible for those tax credits and they're only adjusted by age. 
and you get the same tax credit regardless of what income or what health insurance actually costs in your area, which does vary incredibly widely um, and tends to be significantly more expensive in uh, rural and underserved areas and are expected to continue increasing exponentially because there's nothing in this law that helps to kind of rein in those costs. So the tax subsidy that you would get under Obamacare was calculated based on how much health insurance costs in your area and your income. In this case, it would instead be that you would get a flat tax credit and you would get more as you age because insurance companies tend to charge more for older people. So the actual costs to insurance companies for older people are generally like five times as much for a 60-year-old as they would be, let's say, for a 19-year-old or 20-year-old. And with Obamacare, part of that law limited insurance companies for how much they could charge extra for older people to three times as much. However, in uh, this Republicare plan, there is no limit to that. And so older people will get a higher subsidy, but that subsidy does not necessarily track with the increased premium, which will be a minimum of five to one what young people pay. Something that Obamacare did um, is expand Medicaid. It used to be that in order to qualify for Medicaid, you needed to be poor and something else. So poor and a child or poor and disabled. But now in the states that chose to participate with Medicaid expansion, you can just be poor and qualify for Medicaid, which, I mean, don't even get me started on that. But anyway, that Medicaid expansion, as far as enrolling new people, is intact until 2020, at which point that enrollment freezes in order to shrink the population. So theoretically, no one will be dropped at that point, but no one will be added and they're just relying on people to not get their forms in in time or maybe their income situation has changed. And so um, after 2020, Medicaid will no longer be enrolling new members, thereby shrinking that population. The Medicaid, the funding for Medicaid will also be converted to block grants, which will likely be catastrophic for the disability community. There's no information yet on what the amounts of those block grants will be or how they will be calculated, but David Perry, writing for Pacific Standard in a piece that I linked to in the show notes for this episode, um, explains it like this. Right now, states receive a certain uh, amount of money based on how much they actually spend on Medicaid patients, but with these block grants, um, it would allocate a set amount of money per person, regardless of how much um, that amount meets the needs of that person or it actually costs the state. This change would mean a huge transfer of costs to the states, and as those costs rise, those resources still remain fixed. So that's not cool. Many uh, disability rights advocates are very concerned that this will encourage states to move back toward institutionalizing people with disabilities, which is something that disability rights activists have been fighting against for decades and have made huge strides in. Um, so it's very, very worrying for a number of reasons. And I have linked to a couple of good articles about that in the show notes. 
Um, so let's look at some of the things that Republicare intends to keep. Uh, this plan, as it currently stands, keeps the pre-existing conditions banned. So theoretically, insurance companies cannot uh, exclude you from insurance based on pre-existing conditions. Uh, it also includes the ban on lifetime and annual limits, although I did read somewhere else where that was kind of unclear, so I'm not sure exactly about that. It keeps the provision about staying on your parents' insurance up to age 26, and surprisingly, it keeps the mandated basic health benefits that Obamacare required, which, to refresh your memory, or in case you did not already know, uh, the 10 essential benefits. So to be considered a health insurance plan, it must cover emergency care, hospitalization, lab testing, maternity care, mental health care, outpatient services, pediatric services, prescription drugs, preventative care, rehabilitative services, and care. And that was something that uh, Republicans really hated. So it's interesting that it wound up back in uh, their plan um, but already we're hearing comments from congressional Republicans uh, who clearly don't understand how health insurance works, including Paul Ryan, because they say they don't want to have to pay for sick people or, you know, pregnant people if they're a man. Uh, but that's literally how health insurance works is that everyone pays in and then the plan pays out based on people's actual health care needs. So we'll see what happens to that. The fact that they kept any of these is very surprising to me, although not surprising because these are the things that are extremely popular uh, and that they have gotten calls and letters and had people showing up to town halls to let them know that these are things that have made dramatic differences in people's lives and taking them away is not okay. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if things go off the rails and those things come out of updated versions of this bill. What this bill did not retain from Obamacare is that it got rid of the individual mandate, which required everyone to buy health insurance or pay a penalty come tax time every year, which was about 2.5%. Each year you don't have insurance or up to a certain amount, I believe. And the whole reason for this is to get those people who are young and healthy and aren't necessarily going to be uh, racking up a lot of health care costs to pay in to that pool. Uh, so they they hated that, challenged that in the Supreme Court. It was a whole thing. So they made sure to get rid of that. Instead, replaced it with a 30% surcharge upon re-entering the market for people who did not maintain continuous coverage. I think it's like the window is something like 63 days or some bizarre arbitrary number like that. So if your coverage drops for any reason, like let's say you got fired or you left a job and you weren't starting a job until whenever um, or you weren't able or you're moving and you know things happen in people's lives uh, once you re-enter the insurance market you'll have to pay a 30% surcharge on your premiums each month for a year it's actually the same basic idea as an individual mandate it's just you know more ridiculous I guess I don't know it sounds like a bad idea but anyway Another uh, curious piece is that it it does keep those requirements on what plans have to cover those essential benefits, but it does not 
set a minimum percentage of what they have to require for those costs. So the only thing that they're doing to make health insurance theoretically cost less is just to cover less by reducing what's called actuarial value, which again, this is one of those like phrases where most people's eyes just glaze over and they start stop paying attention because it's boring and complicated, but I'll try and be as not boring and complicated as possible. Actuarial value is basically the average amount of medical expenses that a health insurance plan covers for its enrollees. Under Obamacare, in order to be considered a health insurance plan, there is a minimum actuarial value of 60%. So <laughs> watch me try and do some math. Okay, uh, this is probably wrong. But if you got a bill for 100 that like, let's say you're in the hospital and it cost you a nice round number of, and the, it never happens like this where you do get a nice round number. But let's pretend we live in a world where it does. So you're in the hospital. It costs $100,000 for your care. Under Obamacare, in order for you to have a plan that called itself health insurance, it would need to cover a minimum of 60%. So a minimum of $60,000, which is still ridiculous, of course. But with Republicare, uh, there is no minimum actuarial value. So you could have purchased a plan that calls itself health insurance that has an actuarial value of 20%, which, aye, aye, aye. So without that minimum of coverage, uh, uh, plans will be able to mislead their consumers, essentially, uh, which is precisely what is going to happen. The, the new plan does apparently retain a $6,000 out-of-pocket maximum from Obamacare, Although that is interesting. I don't really understand out-of-pocket maximums, to be perfectly honest. Um, I've hit out-of-pocket maximums almost every year for the last several years. And I definitely have spent more than $6,000. I don't know what actually counts towards that out-of-pocket maximum. It's confusing. Health insurance is confusing. Nobody knew that healthcare could be so complicated. It's confusing for those of us who actually use it. It's confusing for lawmakers who, oh, by the way, don't have to pay for their healthcare uh, and don't actually use it the way that sick people do. And it's definitely very confusing for a president who... Uh, has literally never thought about health insurance before until he accidentally won an election. So, ugh, I don't know, man. Um, it's not. It's not just me. It's not just uh, my disabled friends and colleagues and uh, other, you know, left-leaning policy wonks who are not a huge fan of this new plan from the Republicans. Uh, many people on the right have actually called it worse than Obamacare, which, I mean, to hear that coming from certain people is really quite astounding. So all of this confusing and ridiculous stuff, what does it actually do? What, what does it give to people well? Um, if they do manage to pass this, it would provide the optics that they did, in fact, repeal and replace Obamacare like they said they would. Consequences be damned. Uh, and it also gives a giant tax cut to rich people, which 
I mean, priorities, obviously that's the most important thing, right? But like I said, people on the right, conservative and moderate Republicans have come out against this. Uh, the American Medical Association, the American Hospital Associ- Association, and AARP have all released statements saying that they cannot support this bill. Amer- the American Health Insurance Plans, which is the lobbying group that represents America's health insurance plans, issued a statement that doesn't give a blanket denouncement, but instead critiques several elements of the plan. Normally, when you would get a bill like this introduced, it would have what's called a CBO score. Uh, CBO stands for the Congressional Budget Office. This is another thing that I like. I very vaguely understand, if at all. Uh, but basically, the CBO is a nonpartisan group that like goes through the law and tries to figure out how much it's going to cost the government and what the consequences might be for people. And so they introduced this bill with no CBO score, which is unfortunate because it would also give us some picture of, you know, how many people could potentially lose coverage. And a lot of politicians say, oh, don't trust the CBO, like they're full of shit, whatever. But CBO statistics for Obamacare actually worked out to be quite accurate. So who knows? The Brookings Institution has released a statement saying that based on this new plan, as many as 15 million could lose coverage altogether. The Commonwealth Fund uh, released a statement that said that 30 million people could get hit by that 30% premium surcharge um, due to interruptions in their coverage. And the Center for Budget and Policy Priorities, the CBPP, um, said that about 11 states would see tax credits cut by half or more. And those are the states where already... um, because their governors did not participate the way that they were supposed to in uh, the rollout of of Obamacare, the the insurance premiums in those states are already totally out of control. I mean, they're totally out of control everywhere, but like more so. So like I said, no CBO score. They rushed it into markup. They're trying to get it to a vote by April 7th before Congress goes on recess. So before they go on vacation. Um, it's, it's not just cynically before they go on vacation. April is also the time when insurance companies uh, release their decision about whether or not they're going to stay in these insurance marketplaces and yada, yada, yada. So um, regardless of, of what happens with this bill, um, it, it will likely have pretty dire consequences for individual insurance markets regardless because the insurance companies are getting kind of spooked about like what's going to happen there's too much unsurety what's the word that i'm looking for there unsureness no i don't know you know what i'm trying to say so uh that's scary um that this bill just showed up almost out of no- not out of nowhere, we've been asking for it for, you know, quite a while. Um, but there was no public construction process. Showed up just days ago, no CBO score. And a big criticism of Obamacare was that it happened too fast. They, you know, they 
jammed it through and blah, 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 blah. But the House had 79 hearings on Obamacare over the course of a year, heard from 181 witnesses during that time span, and added 121 amendments to the law. Um, This new bill should they actually manage to bring it to a vote by April 7th, will have been around for one month as opposed to one year. The other thing is that this tax scheme in Republicare would actually start in 2018, which is, I mean, if you're concerned about the date, that's next year. And Obamacare actually took four years to go into effect. So big criticisms of the Affordable Care Act was that it destabilized insurance markets and, uh, you know, too disruptive for the healthcare system and, you know, people weren't able to keep their doctor and blah, 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 blah. Uh, All of which I have experienced the consequences of as a patient. But (laughs) if you thought Obamacare destabilized insurance markets, just wait until we get Republicare. Um, This is going to be a disaster. And there's I mean, they're trying to blame Obamacare for its failings, even though a lot of those failings actually come from that systematic attempt to destabilize and dismantle that law. Um, And they're going to continue to blame the Obama administration and the Affordable Care Act for as much as humanly possible from now until the end of time. Donald Trump has said publicly that he's just going to blame Obama if all of this stuff doesn't work out, Um, which is interesting. Uh, It's very frustrating. It's all very frustrating. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, that's what's up. Like I said, this all might be different by Monday. Um write, call your representatives, do whatever it is you've continued to do, whatever it is that you've been doing to let them know that this is not okay. Um, I wish that I had more comforting words for you. I mean, I guess the good news is that this plan doesn't have much support even from the people who are supposed to be supporting it. So... We have that going for us, but, um, you know, it's like not gonna, it's not gonna be super great regardless of how this comes out. So, um, I, uh, good luck, good luck, Godspeed. I don't know what to tell you. I'm so sorry. I'm so very sorry. Ah. <sighs> Um, so good luck out there. Be excellent to yourselves and each other. 